At 8 o'clock one morning, an 80-year-old man, agitated, arrived at his doctor's office to get the stitches taken out of his thumb. He told the receptionist that he had a very important uh, appointment at 9 o'clock that he could not miss. And the receptionist sent him to sit down knowing that it was going to take more than an hour to get him seen. The man kept looking at his watch and fidgeting, and so then the receptionist asked the doctor if she could see the old man right away, and the doctor agreed. As she was taking out his stitches, she, he asked, she asked the man, what, what is so urgent? Did he have another doctor appointment, maybe with a specialist? The man said, no, he needed to go to the memory care unit to have breakfast with his wife at 9 o'clock in the morning, as he did every day. And the doctor asked him why his wife was in memory care, and he said his wife had had Alzheimer's for several years now. Will she be angry if you're late? The doctor inquired. Oh, she hasn't known who I am for five years now, the man replied. Why do you keep going every morning when she doesn't know you? The doctor asked. She doesn't know me, but I know her, and I love her. What would you kind call that kind of love? What? True love? Unconditional. I was waiting for someone to say wasteful love. Different. Remarkable. The doctor went away thinking, that's the type of love I want in my life. Real love isn't physical or romantic. Real love is the acceptance of all one is, all one has been, all one will be, and all one will be not, will not be. Real love is the acceptance of all one has been, all one is, all one will be, and all one will not be. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. On each of these Sundays, we have been following the theme provided by the Advent candles, hope, peace, joy, and now love. Kind of like the gas in our cars at different times, in different seasons, our love tank can be emptier or fuller. And if we were to think now of a love gauge in our lives to describe how full or how empty we are of love at this moment, where would you put the gauge yourself? Are you full up? Are you recently in love, recently employed, recently promoted? Are you anticipating a full house of friends and family this Christmas season? Or are you empty? Are you missing a specific person's love in your life? Maybe there's a hole where you used to receive love from. Maybe someone once close has removed themselves from you for whatever reason, or maybe someone has passed on. Christmas is an especially difficult time if we have lost a loved one, if we we feel that love. It's a almost a visceral, keen feeling during the holiday season. So where is your love meter today? I wish we did live in a world in which real love, true love, was common, ordinary reality for everyone. But I think we can say that along with hope and joy and peace, real love is sometimes lacking. 
Our scripture today is found in 1 John chapter 4, but before I read this passage, let me remind you that 1 John is a beautifully spiraling, metrically balanced, cohesively patterned uh, piece of writing. And the phrases are tightly braided. There are new nuances or deeper meanings coming from repeated themes. Someone called it once a wedding of media and message. So I want to read the whole passage of one piece, and then I want to pick it apart a little bit. So uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, that person doesn't know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only, only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. I like love being perfected in us. I don't know if you were counting, but love is mentioned as a noun or a verb 15 times in six verses if you count the beloveds. At the beginning of the, of the verses, the elder's term of affection for the recipients of the letter. The elder has seen and felt and experienced and lived with God's love incarnate. Let us remember that this old man, John, had walked with Jesus for three years. He'd seen Jesus die on the cross, been raised three days later. The old man had given his life to spread the good news about Jesus the Messiah. He had come under severe persecution because of it. He had been banished to an island to live out the rest of his life in exile. So the old man knew a lot about hate, too. But he chose to write about love. Let's go back to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. Not love is God. We can't switch it around without losing its meaning. If love was God, our loving would lead us closer to God. And the more loving we do and the more loving we are, the closer we can come to God. But that's not what our passage says. God defines love, not the other way around. And we can really love, we can really know God Only if we are born of God, verse 7 tells us, the flow of love is always first and foremost from God to us and then can be returned to God. And notice that our passage does not say, for God is loving. No, it's much, much stronger. God is love. Love is at the core of who God is. God is not only the source of love, God is love itself. And therefore, loving isn't one of many activities that God does. Rather, love is embedded in every single thing that God does. All his activity is loving. I don't know what kind of an idea you have of God. 
and I may have mentioned this before because it made such a strong impression on me, but someone who was a strong believer for many years once told me that they had prayed very, very hard for a certain thing to happen, and it had not happened. This was a multi-year prayer. But someone else had prophesied over them that this thing was to come to pass. So this person had put a lot of prayer, a lot of energy, a lot of focus towards the outcome. But it had not happened, and it didn't look like it ever would. The window of opportunity was closing with the passing of time, and God was not going to answer with a miraculous yes, which is what this person needed for their dream to come true. And when they expressed their disappointment to someone else, that person said, you know, God is like a cat playing with a mouse, teasing, offering a little hope up here and there, but cruel and deadly in the end. That God took pleasure in withholding from us what we most desired to discipline us. Disappointment with God had led this person to ask, is God a cat playing with me, the mouse? What, what idea do you have of God? Think about what idea do you have of God? Sometimes our ideas come out of our experiences. Sometimes they come out of our bitterness, out of our anger. Sometimes our ideas about God have less to do with God than with who we are. So how does your idea stack up against the truth of God's very being as described in John? God's essence is love. How does your idea of God stack up with that? If it doesn't match, then your idea must be adjusted to who God is, to God is love, rather than the other way around. God is love. If you need love this morning, let your heart reach out in acceptance to God, who is love. Receive God's love today. Even when we don't get what we want, even when God answers no to our fervent prayers, he does that out of a deep and profound love for us. This stretches our faith. It's uncomfortable. It's painful even. But all of God's doings, all of his plans, his his attitude towards us, what he thinks of us, they all come from a place of deep, unconditional, abiding love that is so remarkable and so true that any human love is very thin in comparison. Think of the person that you love the most. If we're fortunate to have one or more of these people in these lives, in our lives, think also of the person who loves you the most. Think about that. These are people who have poured love into our lives in countless measure, and if you have loved another person, you have poured love into that person's life, you will be able to give actual practical examples of loving with these people. And please know that God loves you more than they love you and more than you love them. God wants your good more than they do. 
God's power is at work towards that good in your life. God loves the child more than the mother who prays on her knees for that child. God loves a sick person more than the family who prays for that sick person. God loves the elder more than the friends who care for them. God loves the lonely person, the abused person, the powerless person. God loves the obnoxious person so very, very much. God loves the misbehaving person, the troubled person. God loves the depressed person. God loves the angry person. God loves you so very, very much. God is love. And if you need love this morning, reach your hands out, your empty hands out to God, who is love, and receive his love today. A God who loves is a God who is near, who is right here with us, a God who cares, a God who hears, a God who works. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love isn't primarily a feeling. Feelings of love come and go. Every parent knows this of their beautiful child. Every spouse knows this of their wonderful spouse. Every friend knows this of their dear friend. Love is not a feeling. Feelings come and go, but love is attitude and action. And I like this this description of love. Love is attitude and action. So if God's eternal nature is love, let's check out his attitude and his action towards us. And John says the proof of God's love a manifestation of his love is that he sent his son for us. Now, I have been on several trips lately. The preparation for any trip starts well before the day of travel. And I imagine the scene in heaven as Jesus was preparing to be sent by the Father that very first Christmas season. Son, leave your powers behind. My beloved son, empty yourself of the equality you enjoy in the Godhead. I'm sending you as a baby who has to learn everything from scratch, how to walk, how to talk, how to read. You are the word, but you're going to have to learn some human uh, Aramaic words, Hebrew words from scratch. You must learn everything from zero. And I'm going to send you to a refugee family, to a homeless family, We own the cattle on a thousand hills, but you will not have riches or resources for a comfortable and earthly life. And I'm going to send you in time, in history, to a place where there are no electricity, running water, flushing toilets, mass transit, cell phones. And I imagine Jesus saying, not even a skateboard, Lord, to get around. No, you're going to have to walk everywhere. And at the beginning, it's going to be okay, son, because everybody loves a baby. Oh, but wait, the king is going to feel threatened. So no, from the beginning, you will be hated. And the more you love me and the more you submit to me, more you obey me, the more people will come against you. You will be so hated that you will be murdered viciously when you are still a fairly young man. 
Now, what kind of a travel plan, an itinerary, is that? Well, it's a real love plan, is what that is. God sent Jesus because we needed someone who was not of this world to snatch us out of the dominion that sin has over us. Remarkable love, real love, true love. That's the kind of love I want in my life. And we can have it as a free gift of God. God is love. So this morning, if you need love, let your minds reach out to God, who is love, and receive Jesus, God's unconditional love today. There's one more piece to John's message, and it happens after we receive the gift of God. John the elder tells us God is love, and then he tells us God manifests his love by sending his son, and then the clincher. God's love is manifested in our love for one another. Reading in verse 11, Beloved Since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Okay, for this part, I need you to stand up. Stand up and look at each other. Look at each other. Look around the room. As I say these words, these are the one another's that you are to love today. God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. And you know somebody's watching online. Those are the one another's too. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another really, really well, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Real love is the kind of love I would like to receive, but, wait a minute, don't sit down yet. You're still in the one another's. But is it the kind of love that you want to give? Make another sweep of the room. One another, one another. Okay, now you can sit down. Now, I would like to proclaim that the church is the most loving, the most giving, the most self-sacrificing place there is. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows that if you're short on love, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're a minority or a majority, whether you're Republican or Democrat, all you have to do is go to any Christian church in any city, in any part of the world, and no matter who you are, you will be welcomed and well-loved. No matter what baggage you are carrying, no matter what you look like, isn't this common knowledge? I would like to proclaim that, but sadly, this is a more common experience. It's coming up right now. Some people are kind polite and sweet-spirited until you try to sit in their pews. Mm. Mm -hmm. So instead of being the place where we've got this love thing conquered, I'd like for us to think about the church as the laboratory where love is worked out. Because love is hard. Love is self-sacrificing. And maybe you have to bring cookies to the church on a Saturday morning because your wife forgot them when she's doing the Christmas baskets. 
self-sacrificing. And you might want to do your own thing instead. That's just a little example. Love takes time and effort. Love takes generosity of spirit and of resources. Love is complicated. How do you love an addict well? Even harder, how do you love a sinner well? I was talking to someone about pastoring during a pandemic when we were shut down and virtual, and he really appreciated the idea of going to church in your pajamas in your own living room. And I do too, frankly, like that. But then I had to add the downside of what we experienced. It's so easy to love others from the comfort of your own living room when you have a remote control in your hand and you are not afraid to use it. The real reason we need to be in person is because we cannot love well from a distance. Now, this person I was talking to was Jewish. And when I said, Christians need a lot of practice at loving, he agreed a little bit too wholeheartedly (laughs) for my taste. The church is the lab where we learn to love well. And in the lab, sometimes our experiments explode. And sometimes, even though we have all of the ingredients just right, it doesn't produce the hope-for effect. In the lab, sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we go a long ways down a dead-end street in the lab. And then we've got to engage all over again, even though it would be much easier to walk away from the one another's that we are with. We've got to work on our own attitudes and our own actions. And when we fail, when we will inevitably fail, we turn to God every Sunday. We turn to love himself. And we ask for a transfusion, a transformation of love, because it can't come from me, from within me. It's got to come from above. And we haven't got it right just yet. The stakes are very high. When we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. However much you need to receive love today, you also need to give it. And not just to the easy people, but to the difficult ones. To the teenagers, oh, they're super easy. They don't really need help, right? Super easy. To the angry person, to the manipulative person, to the depressed person, to the sick person, God has put someone in your life who needs love, who needs to be loved by you and by God through you. And it's probably someone who is hard to love. Does anyone come to mind? If not, don't worry, I guarantee someone will cross your path this week that you need to love, and it will stretch you. God has sent you to love. We need to love each other well, and then we need to take the love that we've perfected in here out into the wide, dangerous 
damaged world that needs it so much. Real love that comes from God is remarkable in its transformation. So let me close with another example. Any of you here seen the movie Till about Emmett Till? Well, his mother, Mamie Mobley, mother of Emmett Till, who she was asked if she harbored bitterness towards the two white men or even towards whites generally for the brutal murder of her son in 1955. And this is what she said. It would certainly be unnatural not to hate them. And yet I'd have to say I'm unnatural. The Lord gave me a shield. I don't know how to describe it myself. I did not wish them dead. I did not wish them in jail. If I had to, I could take their four little children. They each had two, and I could raise those children as if they were mine, and I could have loved them. I believe the Lord meant what he said and try to live according to the way I've been taught. Hollywood can't teach you about real love. Songs on the top of the music chart can't teach you about real love. Madison Avenue can't teach you about real love. We learn real love through the baby Jesus being sent by God. We learn love through loving, accepting, sacrificing, suffering, just as he did. We learn real love by practicing in the lab and then taking it out into the real world. So I encourage you this Christmas season to open your heart, open your hands, open your minds to God who is love and receive God's gift of love today. Let's bow our heads. Well, Lord, you know how far we have yet to go, but we have been on this path, and we have learned something about love from you, and we know we need more of it, so we do open our hands and open our minds and open our hearts to receive love to today from you. You know the corners of our lives where we still are holding on to negativity, Lord. And we want your love to wash over all of that, wash over our past. Let your love wash newness into us, life into us, God. Let your real, true love heal us, Lord, from bitterness and from anger. We open ourselves to your love today. Meet us where we are and give us a little extra so that we can pass that on as well. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.